welcome to EFM for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. I am Dr. Siva from Proficio and you are listening to Proficio's Startup to Scale-Ups Entrepreneur Series where entrepreneurs will share their growth stories and how they are scaling up the companies from startup to success. We have with us today Ms. Ko Li Ching, the CEO of CALMS. Uh, good afternoon, Li Ching, and welcome to Proficio Startup to Scale-Up program on EFM. Hi, afternoon, Doctor. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure having you, Li Ching. Uh, we're old friends. We haven't seen each other for a long time. Yes, uh, it is. We were very involved in this organization called Team Technopreneur Association of Malaysia. Yes. And uh, uh, Li Ching, by the way, is a past president of the Technopreneur Association of Malaysia, doing lots of stuff for entrepreneurs and the ecosystem as well, besides just building your own business, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So Li Ching, we, you have been an entrepreneur for a long time. Yes. Yes. Uh, one of the few women entrepreneurs uh, who have been leading successful companies. Tell us a little bit about your story. How did you start Calm Technologies? Uh, what made you actually want to do this particular business and how you have come to this part of your journey from then until now? Okay. Um, obviously, I don't have a few days to talk about the story. I'll try to be as concise <laughs> yes. as I can. Yeah. Okay. I think... Um, I'm actually an, an engineer by training, mm-hmm. uh, but I was working for a company that decided to diversify into smart card technology at that time. So I was working for a company um, in charge of, eventually in charge of the department. So looking at it um, in terms of revenue, uh, looking at revenues, project implementation, and so on. After a while, then you realize that you hit what we call the glass ceiling. Correct. You can't seem to grow anymore, and um, because I was already in the market, I understood the market, I saw that there was a potential, a gap. Um, so I came out, um, uh, but in fact, when I actually so-called threw the letter, I didn't think of an actual proper business plan mm-hmm. or setting up a company. Uh, it was more of, okay, I've, I've saw this opportunity, I've got a partner who can support me, I will come out and try and do something. Mm-hmm. After a while, then you're like, oh, I need to come up with a business plan, uh, especially when you want to look for funding. Right. Um, so I think I actually really, really grew or, or uh, came to be what I am today uh, when I actually at that time participated in some, uh, it, it was a two days workshop for mm-hmm. entrepreneurs on how to write a business plan. Right. In those days, we had those kind of workshops, oh, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> and I actually spent money. So I, oh, I remember okay. I spent something like three or 500 ringgit. Right. And I think it was the most well-spent money uh, mm-hmm. because I actually met the VC. It was actually run by a venture capital company. Mm-hmm. So they had all the the lawyers, the legal firms. And of, of course, the VC themselves were there, sat down with you. And suddenly you say, okay, um, let's build up a business plan. Mm-hmm. And what surprised me was that uh, the business plan that I developed that time, that was like 16 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think the bulk of it still relevant. Amazing. The, yes. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that different is the actual execution and mm-hmm. uh, the market sector. Um, so in terms of the core product that we then since then developed, uh, which was very much pr- uh, in the smart card space, mm-hmm. um, it's still relevant. It's still mm-hmm. the core that enable mm-hmm. uh, our core solution today. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, I would say... Uh, the um, deployment now grows from rather than just cut related mm-hmm. uh, it now goes into um, what we call mobile phone mm-hmm. um, now you have all these uh, cashless 
rather than just cut mm-hmm. alone is now over the phone mm-hmm. uh, and we also work a lot in terms of uh, other integrated application that it's been deployed things like tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing currently okay what is the business about business. what is the product yeah so what I would say we do is that we uh, allow your children your your children to be able to work to study and work in a secure uh, and more friendly environment through cashless mm-hmm. so what we do is that we actually issue and manage or have a solution that issue and manage your student or staff ID mm-hmm. uh, and enable multiplication linking into your security your access control enable uh, cashless so you can top up money and use within your environment mm-hmm. um, and hence allow automation as well because you can then uh, allow services to be deployed once you've got money mm-hmm. yeah at the same time allowing other integrated things like uh, in schools parent pickup uh, bus attendance making sure oh. you're going to the right bus uh, parent pickup basically making sure authorized people are picking up your children mm-hmm. and also helping to reduce the queue um, we also have now facility booking mm-hmm. where because in the office environment you've got lots of meeting rooms mm-hmm. but you have got 2000 staff trying to um, you know yeah. look, trying to queue for that 10 meeting rooms available right. so that ties in and we have visitor management uh, we have time attendance and, and so on so all of this is done by uh, and is it an app is it a web based system is it just a card um, it's a whole sorts of solutions uh, what we find that when we first started it was very much I would say um, web or, or client server architecture now moving forward we are doing more and more of a mobile app mm-hmm. uh, environment mm-hmm. in terms of your mode of identify, identifying identifying you mm-hmm. rather than just cut now it could be your QR code it could be a biometric your facial mm-hmm. um, we, we find that it's it's Uh, becoming uh, a lot more flexible for people to move around uh, in whatever mode you want. Mm-hmm. Even access control people may actually opt for just using your phone to enter. You mm-hmm. don't have to bring you a physical. You don't need a card anymore, don't right? Don't need a card, yeah. Right, and you do all of that stuff. Yes. And over the years, right, you've actually won a lot of awards. You've won the SME Entrepreneurship Business Award. SME 100 Fast Moving Companies Award, uh, Ministry of Trade Excellence and Export Awards. So you've won a lot of these awards, right? What is it about the company, right, that enables you to win all of these awards? What have you done? Where have you gone? How many countries are you in? Can you share with us that part of the growth of this business? Yeah. Okay. I Maybe just to backtrack a little bit, um, what I find that when we first started is that company will say, oh, you are a startup. Uh, are you sure you're going to be around? Right. So uh, I remember the first sales that we did to one particular school was that we said that, okay, since you are a bit concerned, we don't mind pledging our sh- our source code uh, to mm. a legal firm such that if, let's say, we close down, you can still have access to the system. Mm. Uh, luckily, they're still our customer to today. Right. <laughs> since <laughs> 16 then. 16 years later. Since, yeah, well, maybe not 16, about 14 years later. 14 years later. Yeah. Um, is that nowadays we have so many references. Mm. So we are very strong in the education sector. So mm-hmm. all the private international schools, colleges, mm-hmm. universities are mm-hmm. our reference. So whenever a new school said, okay, um, can you tell me who else is using? Mm-hmm. Uh, when the minute they, we mention the name, they say, oh yeah, I know them. Mm. Uh, and of course, that there's a disadvantage as well. You better be servicing your customer. Of course, <laughs> because of they will be you calling better. the customer That's to right. verify that are, are they doing a good service or not? Should I take up the solution? So all I right. think um, we find that for us to be able to sustain till today is that we really have to service. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no solution that can be 
100% perfect mm-hmm. but what customer want to see is that our commitment on the service level right yeah so i think that's what we have done so the other segment is also large corporates mm-hmm. um people are asia um fnn mm-hmm. yeah um big names help because many another big companies come on board they say right. that, oh yeah you've been if you are able to service them that means you have gone through your necessary uh, so called validation so they'll be like your benchmark customers Correct. right yeah so tell us about your growth story how did you i mean you've been around for 16 years you know there's a long time for a technology entrepreneur yes. right and and we know the the failure rate among technology entrepreneurs is very high so you've actually succeeded and you've done well so mm. i want to congratulate you Thank on that you. right Thank so you. another 16 years to go i'm yes, sure hopefully right? hopefully <laughs> by then we'll be a global icon then yeah excellent yeah. so tell us about how you grew <laughs> Uh, and I know you are also regional. Share with us how you grew regionally okay. as well. Okay. One thing interesting with regional, I think I would say, well, uh, even okay. If you look at your business plan, you always plan you want to be a not just a, a jago kampung, yeah. You right. of, of course want to go out of Malaysia, but um, the crunch is that when do you actually do it mm-hmm. yeah so for us what we find is that in the early days it was like um there was a i would say uncertainty and i think lack of confidence as well especially mm-hmm. if you do not have any experience or exposure in all these other countries mm-hmm. um so you you tend to delay so and you also trying to how to call call it um do the safe way by joining exhibition one thing mm-hmm. i noticed is that uh, we did that when i think that was like easily maybe 10 years ago mm-hmm. so we went to a exhibition in singapore together with our partner exhibited at the booth um, there were partners that came and said yeah we like your solution mm-hmm. okay they said great let's exchange them cards and after that we've tried to follow up via the phone via the email mm-hmm. obviously nothing works mm-hmm. two years later then we decided hey you know It's something not it's not working yeah you you can't just go to an exhibition and hopefully something uh will, will come out of right. that so we said that okay um one of our so-called senior manager volunteered to be a regional sales guy he said okay two of us pack up our bag and we actually turn up at our two fo- two countries that we first focus singapore and indonesia mm-hmm. so we turn up in front of our customers uh office hey we are here um you know last time we said that you are interested let's talk mm. and after that we then spent the time regularly moving coming and out to service the customers mm-hmm. then only we started seeing uh, so-called sales uh, actual potential projects coming in so you were servicing them out of your malaysian office out of you malaysia flying all the time flying yes so you would have um, minimum one sales guy who would be going around to basically i would say uh, a certain whether there's potential and once the sales guy uh, are able to drill down yes there's potential then we will bring in another support guy that can mm-hmm. service together mm-hmm. um, because our model for overseas is uh, we don't go direct to customers mm-hmm. it's always through partners to partners okay yeah. so we are now in i think of all the asean country only two we are not there yet mm-hmm. uh, brunei and laos right so in all the countries we already have partners fantastic um, in most of them we already have projects as well fantastic. so now is how do i grow more yeah. so how do you identify these partners in each country <sighs> that must be a challenge it is a, a challenge uh, one thing i would say leveraging on your other partners to introduce to them helps a lot mm-hmm. but that doesn't guarantee that they're going to be the right partner um, we have many partners who have signed up mm-hmm. and show you great potentials um, but after that zero output right um, but you have got some companies who sign up and immediately click and straight right. away you get orders so um, really you've, you've just got to go out there and um, try them out 
So, how many partners, for example, Indonesia, right? Indonesia, how many partners did you start up with? How many do you have now? Indonesia is a little bit unique and different, I would say, countries to uh, engage with. I have currently about maybe six six partners. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two seg- segments that I'm uh, addressing in, in Indonesia. Uh, in fact, because they were the first country that went in, we went in with the easy way, which is our off-the-shelf product. Mm-hmm. So our off-the-shelf product, since then, uh, our partner has been selling without us being there, really, mm-hmm. uh, our visitor management system. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, really, it's an installer. They can do their own installation. They would... I think mm. just issue us the license order for 10 license and then right. we just deliver. We don't even know who is the end customer. Right. So when we started to look at growing this into more project basis, more our school solution. Mm-hmm. So we were looking more for SI kind mm-hmm. of a partners. Right. Um, system integrators. System integrators. Um, this one is not so easy. The market, I think, um, ecosystem in Indonesia, we are finding it slightly different um, mm-hmm. than the other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, we are reassessing Indonesian market for oh. education sector right. how do I go in right. um, in Malaysia the private sectors I think um, solutioning technology um, most of the international school are seeing it as a, in a sense um, a must have right Parents are expecting the school must have this function and Correct. feature for right. my security of my children and, right. and also the benefits uh, because they're paying so much um, in Indonesia we find that um, this criteria, mm-hmm. uh, they've got lots of people. So oh. they say that I can offer that and I give you, I'll, I'll put in more guards. Right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I they're see. putting in more <laughs> systems. So right. they have alternatives. And it's cheaper, so cheaper guards probably, there, right? Yeah. yeah. So we're finding it's a bit different. Um, against where even people like uh, Bangkok, even Manila, um, I think they are, because we are quoting it in US dollars. Mm-hmm. So by the time they convert, I think maybe it's also the other part is uh, the buying power. Correct. So right. um, they don't blink. Uh, you know, it seems to be affordable within the budget. Mm-hmm. But in Indonesia, they say, ah, it's like so much. Right. So right. we're like, okay, is it really? Um, so we are we are reassessing uh, Indonesian okay. market. Um, but then uh, I think all, all our other countries is doing very well for right. education, for the mm-hmm. system integration mm-hmm. type of solutioning. Mm-hmm. So if, if you were to advise companies that want to go regional, want to scale up their business regionally in Southeast Asia, because yep. you're in eight of these markets, yep. right? What would your advice be to them? How, uh, how should they tackle these markets? Okay, perhaps you need to choose one or two countries first. Mm-hmm. And really committed on the resources, mm-hmm. not just the money, mm-hmm. a person. Right. You must have a person, the same person, mm-hmm. that continues to go in and out of the country. Of the same country. The right. same country. Um, and also, I think from the management level, what I find as well is that even you with having a dedicated person doing it, mm-hmm. the boss still need to show the face. Right. Um, so if you, because obviously in the partner country, the boss is the one that's going to decide the mm-hmm. direction of the company. Mm-hmm. So they will expect to see the boss to come as well. Right. Um, so I, I noticed that uh, even with my guys, I would probably let him do two, three trips. Right. The fourth trip, I have to be there, minimum. Right. That will require a lot of traveling for you. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, work-life balance is not very balanced then, right? Well, my children are grown up. So, fortunately. I think fortunately. So, I think the timing and all that is not too bad. Yeah. So, But that's, I think, one of the things that mm-hmm. I noticed in this part, unlike in perhaps more Western country, mm-hmm. you can expect if you do uh, cloud services, you don't need to be mm. uh, meeting customer. You Correct. can close the deal without being there. Correct. Uh, over here, if you don't be in the front of the face, right. things will slow down. So it's very high touch in that ah, sense, yes, right? Yes, very much so. So very personalized kind yes. of service. Yeah.
and it, especially if they're paying a high price for things, right? Correct. Yeah. So w- is this a big decision uh, for a school, for example, to actually take in your solutions? Is it a very big decision? Um, what we find is that um, we have currently got two models to offer to the school. One is what we call on-premise. This mm-hmm. is what most school, uh, in a sense, buy the license and invest it and then uh, install on their own server. They manage everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have cloud subscription. Right. So the whole idea is that I've got second-tier schools that now can come on board at the fraction of the cost. Right. Um, so they have this, we ha- do have these two models. So mm-hmm. school that can't afford the big uh, investment can go for subscription. Just pay. So your commitment is just one year. Right. And is that very popular now, the subscription model? I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> because it's cheaper. It's cheaper, a lot, lot cheaper. And I thought that uh, the school would be queuing for it. Yeah. Right. Um, not necessarily because I think uh, first is acceptance in terms of, I don't know, security, data protection, ownership. Right, right. Um, even we launched our cloud solution two years ago, June mm-hmm. uh, 2016, right? Um, the, and since then, I've got many schools that have signed up. Mm-hmm. Those that have signed up, I think we have got like what, six, seven schools? Mm-hmm. All of them go for on-premise. Oh, so seriously? They, yeah. So they would be rather paying what? A lot more. A lot, lot more <laughs> than actually subscribing to cloud because of this um, issue of concern on cloud. Right. Uh, but now... Coming after two years, I'm seeing now schools are really more um, going to sign up. Right. So I think uh, it's market readiness and also the, um, I think it, because the technology is now so pervasive, then it's like, oh, everybody is doing it. Correct. I, I, I need to have one or so, but I can't afford it. Oh, no, it's cheaper. Okay, maybe I should sign right. up now. Right. right. So, I, yeah. Is that also maybe, uh, you know, a fact that, the market was not ready for cloud-based services two years ago. I mean, maybe in the West, people were doing it already, right? But this part of the world, people are not ready for cloud-based services. But maybe now there's so many cloud-based services, uh, lots of companies offer cloud-based services. Maybe they're used to it now. Yes, I suspect so. So yeah. I think the, the market acceptance is, is, is more. Um, so yes, we are seeing it. So there's no longer question about oh, how secure. The minute when we launched, the first thing they asked is how secure. Right. I said, we are hosted on IBM server right. in Singapore. <laughs> I said, what, which credentials <laughs> you want to go and check it out? Um, so, and, and we purposely invested in uh, a more expensive infra right. um, platform because of this concern. Because right. one of the things that we offer in our platform is the cashless uh, solution for mm-hmm. the school. Mm-hmm. So which means that there's monetary um, so-called right. management. Uh, so we know that one of the concern would be, you know, is it secure? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so far when we are going around to school, the minute we say we are hosted at IBM Data Center, right. Uh, so IBM's name still sells, yeah? Oh, it does. <laughs> when it comes to security, yes. Okay. Um, you're a, a woman entrepreneur in very much a, a male-driven ecosystem of technology companies. It's changing now, granted, but when you started 16 years ago, it was primarily male-dominated, right? Um, how have you actually tackled it? Has, has it been a problem earlier? Is it less of a problem today? Have things changed? Uh, when you, especially because you're going regional, right? You're going to all these different countries. How um, is it being a woman entrepreneur in this ecosystem? Good question. Because to me, I never think of myself that um, 
so-called differentiate myself because I'm a lady mm-hmm. uh, on the gender basis. But it's more of really my product, my solution, does it apply mm-hmm. to the customer? And the customer, when they look at us, they don't see you as a lady. Mm-hmm. They see your company as a solution. Right. Uh, because we're in the technology space. So their concern will be, does it work? Is it reliable? Uh, does right. it solve my problem? Right. Um, who else is using? Right. Are we the first? Right. <laughs> that was more of their concern. So nobody's asking, are you a woman? Or no. <laughs> All right. So okay. gender has never been... Um, so-called any of the so-called variables when people want to make a decision whether or not okay. to sign up with you. So, um, and personally, because I come from, I'm, I'm doing engineering. Right. Um, so from young till where I am today, I'm so used to doing things um, that, like you say, maybe more male, male dominated, dominated yeah. but right. it wasn't something that you think oh yeah this is right. a space for male only right. we, we just do it or because I right. enjoy it I like it I do it right. uh, and I think that's perhaps more of uh, the family upbringing or whatever right. yeah so it's never an issue to me actually that's a that's a wonderful message for other women out there you know because people are always talking about women entrepreneur this and you know male dominated yeah, ecosystems and all that but the fact that you never felt this, right? You never even looked at it from that angle. No. I think most women should be looking at it as either I'm an entrepreneur or I'm not an entrepreneur. Exactly. Right? Either I'm, I'm providing great service, building great products, or I'm not doing that. Yes. Not whether you're male or female. Yeah. That shouldn't matter, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Because end of the day is uh, what counts is your service and right. your solution and your technology. Right. Um, even in, in the company, if you hire people, I don't, I, I've got hardware support engineer who is a lady. All right. Is it going to be just because you're a lady, you're going to be not able to do Correct. as yeah. well? It right. doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Mm. In my company, we have a lot of women mm. and, and they do a great job. So yes. I have got no issues with that, you know. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about some of the challenges and what, what have been your biggest challenges over the last 16 years in building this company? Um, obviously, when you first started funding, um, to me, I think now funding is not so much an issue. Well, maybe my luck because I've got an investor with me at the moment mm-hmm. um, from from MTDC. So mm-hmm. we are we have their business growth fund, right. uh, which have allowed us to really, I think it helps a lot with mm-hmm. our expansion into regional mm-hmm. uh, because the last two years we've been really spending, spending, spending right. and we don't really <laughs> see the return yet. <laughs> Hopefully this year we'll start seeing it. Okay. Um, so funding definitely, mm-hmm. um, but once that's sorted out, what I find the most difficult is talent management. Mm-hmm. Um, although now we have certain reputation, um, so uh, we have nice office when people come, they're no longer shy and walk mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Um, retaining and maintaining uh, good people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, you can. For example, my two shareholders are actually my my ex staff who have mm. now I've given them shares so that they become shareholder be owner and running mm-hmm. it with me um, we're also looking at so-called uh, employee share scheme mm-hmm. for, for the second uh, second tier management team mm-hmm. um, but making sure that your team understand you and the team have the same so-called drive and passion as you right. um, I think that's uh, one mm-hmm. of the toughest thing because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's not like um you, you don't want a, a staff who are only doing work because you tell him to. Right. <laughs> you want people who are doing it because they liked it and they enjoy Correct. it and they're doing it because they understand the vision and vision uh, where the company is moving. Correct. Yeah. So. And have you been able to find these people? Um, 
yes, I'm I'm been very lucky. I think we won't be here today if we don't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I think uh, the good thing is um, making sure that the people, that good people, stays on. Mm-hmm. Yes, sometimes they would go and leave. So making sure that you find uh, people still uh, more people to join. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the difficult thing I find being perhaps this is a device more on a personal basis is to let go people. Right. You have to learn to be ruthless right uh, to basically terminate people some people will leave when you tell them nicely say that look you know it doesn't work i don't think uh, yes. we we could have you with us you don't seem to be fitting the culture or whatever mm-hmm. they would leave some people just play dumb right. and refuse to pretend not to understand right. even after your third warning letter they still stay on right so if you want to really force them out you got to do the hard way right. so i've recently had to do a, a forced termination wow. and uh, i think that's really one of the most difficult thing right yeah so being an entrepreneur that's one of the biggest challenges yes. right letting yeah. people go letting um what well, if they want to leave on their own not an issue that's not a problem yeah. right forcing them to go right you really terminating them yeah. ruthlessly i think that's one of the difficult right. thing yeah and, and and Asians are not very ruthless in that sense yes yeah. so i think very, this is a culture we're very maternalistic paternalistic yeah, society yeah you say you could give them first chance second chance look at the good side right. of people and all that you tried obviously by the time we give this first second third letter is already we have tried yes uh, correct but they still <laughs> and if they still don't perform we really have to let them they go have to, yeah right mm. but how do you keep your team together um, because you know even some of your past employees have made them shareholders what is your advice to someone who wants to keep the team together keep them motivated how do you do that um good question in a sense that right um i try to be um open with my team mm-hmm. uh where we share the ups and downs you know when the company is doing well uh, we tell them you're doing well when the company is not doing well we are basically open book mm-hmm. so one of the people that join is reaching hey, isn't that private and confidential information <laughs> yes, uh, yes exactly. or no <laughs> right so we try to be open book we do share right, right. Uh, we let them know we are doing well we are not so when we are doing well then we bring the whole family uh, go on trips and mm-hmm, all that mm-hmm. um, we try to share additional obviously mm-hmm. remuneration and all um, but end of the day i think it's going to be um how well the team work together right we are about what now 36 people strong mm-hmm. not that small anymore yes so um making sure you don't have um so called cliques of people that don't talk to each other i mm-hmm. think that's that's a concern right. because you would have uh, my company we have three division mm-hmm. programming the development mm-hmm. and then the the sales and then the uh, support, what do you call the, the support, support. Mm-hmm. yeah so suddenly you have three segments making sure all three segments are able to talk to each other right. um it is critical yeah so i think town hall uh, gatherings uh, meetings um, regular meeting uh, it's some especially for the head of department so everybody know each other but also for top all the way down right. everybody share and understand what the company is doing and all that i think that that's i think one of the things that you have to do so the open sharing is very important yeah. to keep your team together yes and that's where maybe some companies don't don't do right very few of them will share because like you said they say oh this is pnc we can't tell them how how well or how badly <laughs> we're doing you know some of them worry right if we tell them how well we're doing they'll ask for increase in salaries and bonuses <laughs> you know if we tell them we're not doing so well then they want to leave, leave the company yeah, right yeah. yeah but you found that this open sharing actually kind of works for you yes okay so. So Lishi, you've come a long way in the last 16 years. 
what does the future look like for you? Yeah, I mean, what do you see the company and yourself in about, say, three to five years' time? Um, currently, uh, we, we aspire to be a global unicorn. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we would like to be. Um, but then we also realize that there's multiple ways of how you can grow the company. Mm-hmm. One is either organically. By um, a merger and acquisition, um, so we are open at the moment. Mm-hmm. What I do know is that we can't grow on our own. Right. On our own, uh, as it is, it will be a very slow, um, you slow know, organic growth. Organic growth. Right. Uh, so we are now looking for strategic partners, uh, potential investors, mm-hmm. um, who can allow us. Because you see, our storyline is this: for the last two years, we are building our ASEAN present footprint, mm-hmm. um, and now. I think within this year, next year, I will be able to show that, yes, we're actually here in right. these 10 countries or eight countries. Eight countries yeah, right. um, Because we have got projects, we have got partners, all that's trained and we are able to service and reach the mm-hmm. uh, market. Okay, who can I partner with if I want to move out from uh, this ASEAN? Correct. Um, if I want to go into... At first, I was trying to actually, at the same time, from local, regional, as well as try to start up my base in US mm-hmm. to go to basically... Mm-hmm. Um, addressing the Western market. Suddenly I realized that my resources is a bit too tight. Right. I'm better off to really focus, build up the ASEAN. Right. Then I can source and look for my Western partners that can then bring me next to the global level. Right. So that would be what I'm looking at for the next, I would say, midterm. So you have, you have sort of achieved your target of being in ASEAN, yes. doing well in ASEAN. Mm-hmm. Now the next step is to go global. Yes. I wish yeah. you all the best for that, Thank Li Ching. And knowing what you have done over the last 16 years, I have every confidence you will actually do this. Thank you. Right? So if anybody wants to partner with Li Ching, you know, she's looking for partners herself. Yep. And it's, it's uh, global from here. Yep. So Li Ching, uh, our time is up. Uh, right. That's 30 minutes. Um, and I think we've had a very interesting conversation. Uh, I want to congratulate you. Thank that you. That you have come a long way. I think we have known each other for almost the entire 16 years yes. as well. <laughs> I think you've come a long way. Uh, and you have some big plans. I wish you all the best. I hope they all come through because we really need to see more successful companies out of Malaysia that are actually going global, yep. right? So uh, I hope to see you in five years' time telling me I am in America and I'm in Europe as well. Yes. And I'm sure you'll do that. Yep. You have just heard from Koli uh, Ching, the CEO of Calms Technologies, share her journey of entrepreneurship and how she plans to take her company from startup to scale-up. This episode was brought to you by EFM and Proficio as part of our Startup to Scale Up Entrepreneur Series. We hope you have enjoyed this interview. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. Thank you for listening. This is Dr. Siva of Proficio signing off until next week. Thank you.